0: Um, is from Matthew 6, um, chapters, uh, verses, sorry, 5 to 15. So Matthew 6, 5 to 15, it's the Lord's Prayer. If you have a Bible, please read along. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may, not be, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, I'm just going to pray before John comes to teach from this passage. God, I thank you that you are here in our midst this morning, that your presence is with us and does not leave us. And Lord, it is hard not to see the the pain that is in the world right now. And it's hard not to see the suffering that is in the lives of those uh, caught up in the war in Israel and in Gaza. And so this morning we pray, Lord, that you would be with those that are grieving on both sides. I pray, Lord, that you would not allow anybody to prevent any civilians from receiving the basic needs of life, water, food, aid. Lord, I pray against... um, the evil uh, that is, is in that conflict, Lord. And I pray for the leaders on both sides, Lord. I pray that you would have your way with them, Lord, that you would impact their lives in a way that only you can, Lord. And so I pray for a softening there. And I do pray for those that are Christians in that land, both in Gaza and in Israel, Lord. I pray that their love would be known by everybody that their care would be known by the majority of people there as well, and their voice be known as well. Give them wisdom, discernment, Lord. Give them the heart of Christ in this situation. And Lord, we do not neglect to think of our brothers and sisters that are in Ukraine as well at this moment, suffering uh, a war that has been going on for far too long, And we pray, Lord, that you would provide them with everything they need. Pray that you would give them resilience. Give them uh, a love that can only come from you for their brothers. And we pray for resolution as well to be reached to that cruel, cruel conflict, Lord. And sometimes when we look at our television screens, we look at Twitter or whatever we might be looking at, Lord, it's hard to know what to pray for because the evil is so great and the need is so massive, Lord, but... As the Lord's prayer teaches us, Lord, I pray that you would help us just to pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, we pray that this morning for the land of Israel and Gaza, and we pray for that in Ukraine, that your kingdom would come. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God that is redeeming all people to himself, that you are reclaiming your throne here on earth. You are a global God. And we thank you for that, and we thank you for the privilege it is to to meet here as a local expression of your global church, of the bride of Christ, as you describe us. Um, and we thank you for that privilege, and we um, thank you for those that have supported us from afar over the years. And we think think of uh, Nathan in Elko and Livingstone's Church there in Nevada. And we just thank you for the support and the, the friendship that he has provided to us over the years. And um, we pray this morning that later on as they gather for their three services in their small city of Elko, Lord, I pray that you'd be in their midst, Lord, I pray that you'd work in the lives of those that gather there in a powerful way, Lord, and I pray that you would save souls in that city. Um, we pray for the, the elders, I pray that you'd give them uh, wisdom and understanding and compassionate hearts to serve. Uh, you The people of of Elko that, uh, in the position that you place that you have placed them into, I thank you, Lord, that you teach us that if we cast our burdens onto you, Lord, that you will sustain us, Lord, and we acknowledge that a lot of us are hurting in different ways that are suffering with anxiety, with grief. Uh, with with stress, whatever it might be, Lord. And I pray that as this morning, you would help us to, to cast our burden onto you this morning. Each heart that is here, Lord, I pray that that would be their stance. They would cast their burdens onto the Lord. And we know that you, the Bible teaches that you will sustain us, Lord. We thank you for that truth, that promise. And we just do pray this morning for uh, our teaching in this place Lord I, I thank you Lord that these are familiar words and it is wonderful that these are familiar words Lord uh, to us we thank you that these are still taught in our schools um, here in Northern Ireland but I pray that uh, these words are so familiar that they can, their impact can be lost Lord and I pray that this morning that we, as we unpack them Lord as John unpacks them for us I pray that uh, your truth and your heart would just shine through Lord and they would have a real deep impact on our lives Lord holy spirit be working in this place in our lives and we pray that for our kids spaces too and for the teachers that are, that are uh, instructing our kids in your truth give them the authority that that this this word carries with it lord and i pray that they would have hearts that are soft and open to your calling on their lives so be with us now lord we thank you that your presence dwells with us right now amen Amen.
1: Thanks, John, for that. Uh, This morning, folks, can I ask you to just bear with me this morning? I've got some sort of thing going on in the back of my throat, which will make me sound like Kermit the Frog. But uh, please bear with me. And no, I don't sound like Kermit the Frog all the time uh, before you say that. Uh, This morning, as John has said, we are, in the Sermon on the Mount, we are coming to probably what is one of the more familiar passages uh, in this, the Lord's Prayer. John Calvin said of the Lord's Prayer, Our Lord has taught us a form of prayer that is short and approved, lest anyone under the pretense of many words fall into vain and ineffectual babbling. But this brevity is accomplished by the greatest fullness. John Owen, one of the the Puritans, said, The Lord's Prayer comprehends and lays before us all our needs and necessities both as to the present and future life, both for soul and body. One of the most familiar passages we have in Scriptures. But everyone prays, surely. Everyone prays. Every survey that has ever been done on the subject would indicate that the majority of people, if not all, pray. Pray or have prayed? Think of our current world situation. Is everyone not praying? Praying for Israel, praying for Palestine, praying for Gaza, praying for, pray for, pray for, pray for. Everyone's praying. And it's interesting here that Jesus in his discourse about the Lord, in, in the Lord's Prayer basically states that. Because he says that even the Gentiles pray. When he says, don't be like the Gentiles, that's obviously meaning that the Gentiles do pray. Sometimes when we can hear the word Gentiles, we think are religious. But no. Gentiles, in fact... Uh, could possibly be very religious. The difference that Jesus will point out for us today is the basis on which we pray. The basis on which we pray matters. The difference between genuine Christian prayer. And other Gentile babbling is important. It's massively important. Genuine Christian prayer comes in the form that we know who we're coming to. Jesus, in this instance, in the Lord's Prayer, in in, in Luke's version, he, he say, Luke states that the, 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 the disciples come to Jesus and ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples to pray. They wanted to know how to pray. So how does Jesus teach them to pray? Jesus basically says, as he begins his discourse on how we are to approach God, is this, there are two ways in which people approach God two ways in which people come to God. There are those who come, and on behalf, and, and because of their many words and their phrases, they think they will be heard. They think that because they use maybe cliches, or because they use familiar words or phrases, or they use many words or phrases, that they will be heard. And then there are those To come to their father. And that's the difference. That's the difference. One is coming on the basis that they will be heard because of what they say. And the other one is coming on the basis of who they're coming to. One is coming in a very business type way, a very transactional type way, and the other one is coming in a familial way. Coming because they are part of the family. And I want to look at those two ways just briefly as we open up the Lord's Prayer this morning. Let's look at the two ways. First, business. When someone approaches someone in a business sense, it is because they are looking to exchange something for something. You have something I need, so I will do something or say something or give you something so that you will give me the thing that you have that I need. And so there's an exchange going on. And the greater the exchange, the greater the cost on one side. We do it all the time. You go into a shop. This is the way you go into a shop. You don't, you do, you don't go into the basis of a shop and just say, I'm going to take this. And there be no exchange. I, I, would, I would ask you not to do that. I was going to say let's do this for the crack someday in the milestone. But don't do it. Alright? Don't do it. When you go into the milestone, there's, a, there's an exchange that happens. And one side pays the cost for the other thing that is there that they want. That's a business exchange. I can't just go in, and this will be completely over most of your heads, but I can't go into Macombie Cycles and say, there's a new S-Works S. Eliot. I'm going to take that. I'm just going to take it. No, that's not how that works. It's not how it works. But this is what Jesus was talking about when he says, don't be like the pagans. They're trying to make an exchange. Because of their words, their efforts, they expect or even demand to be heard. This is transaction. It's not Christianity. If I do this, then God, you are obligated to do this. And that's just not how God works. Because the reality is that God is not obligated to do anything for anyone At any time. I wonder, is this the basis that you have used to come to God in the past? Maybe even now. Maybe you think that if I just say the right things or if I do the right things or if I'll make a deal with you, God, if I do X, Y, and Z, you'll do this. If I give you X, Y, or Z, then you'll give me this. That's transaction. It's not Christianity on any level. It's not the Christian way to pray. It's not the Christian way at all. We never get from God because we offer Him something. Never. Never. It's the same with our salvation. Religious people, like like Jesus is talking about here, religious people try to earn their salvation through works or by by simply being good. But there's nothing Christian about that. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus gives us our salvation, bestows upon us our salvation freely. Nothing to do with our works or our merit. And it's the same in prayer. We don't come to God and be like, God, if I do this, you'll do this. If I say this in incantation, you'll do this. No, it's not the way it works. It, that's actually paganism, not Christianity. And so how does Jesus teach us to pray? I think the first two words in what he says are the most significant words in this prayer. Our Father. Our Father. They come to Him. We are to come to Him as Father. I hope you see the difference, it's hugely significant. One is coming because they have something they think they can offer. And the other one is coming because of who they are. Part of the family. Like I said at the beginning, they're not reciting our Father. They're not just coming out with some incantation. The difference is that they know the Father. The Father knows them. They are sons. They are daughters with the rights and privileges of Of such. They come to their Father. This is the basis of all our praying. We come as children to a Father, knowing that we will be heard as His children. Now, I do need to say this. Undoubtedly, our view of God as Father is inevitably influenced. We look at God our Father often through the filter of our own fathers. And so how you have experienced a father will dramatically impact how you view God as Father. And what I want to say to you this morning is this, whether your experience of Father has been good or bad, our Heavenly Father is simply not like that, good or bad. He is far beyond good or bad. Perfect. That is so hard for us to grasp. That is so hard for us to get our heads around. That our Heavenly Father, the one we come to in prayer, as part of the family, is perfect. In every way. And so when He disciplines us, He's perfect. When He encourages us, He's perfect. When He gives to us, He's perfect. When He withholds from us, He's perfect perfect. And so what I want to say to you this morning is don't try through the help of the Spirit not to view God your Father as your Father on earth. If you've experienced cold and uncaring, you need to look at the Scriptures and see who you've got here. A father who loves you and cares for you and provides for you and is compassionate towards you. If you've had a father who has loved you and cared for you and is compassionate, think of that to the nth degree of perfection is what we have in our heavenly father. So if your view of God has been tainted by that for good or for bad, what we need to do is look at the scriptures and see who God is as father. Psalm 68 says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. 1 Peter 1 to 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. James 1.17 every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That's our Father. That's our Father. And that's who we come to. Our Father. We have been brought into the family adopted in. Really interesting point of application at the minute on our adoption into the family is what's happening in the world right now. Think about it. We are adopted in. Paul uses the language of grafting. We have been grafted into the people of God, You see, those who trust in Jesus are the true Israel. Those who trust in Jesus, let me say that again to be abundantly clear. Those who trust in Jesus are the true Israel. True Israel is faithful Israel because why? They have faith in the only faithful Israelite who has ever lived, Jesus the Messiah. Only Jesus has fulfilled all of the Father's righteous laws for Israel. Therefore, we are just and we are righteous and we are part of the true Israel being grafted in through Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus, the true Israelite, all people can be reckoned as, all people of God can be reckoned reckoned as true Israelites. We have been adopted in. brought into the family and therefore we come to our father who loves us and cares for us that's the basis on which we come we are part of the family so let's move on to see how we are to pray after that three petitions that come hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so jesus says when you come to your father, because you've been grafted in, you're part of the family, you're coming to your father, this is what you should ask for. You're you're coming because you're swimming in your adoption. You're immersed in your adoption, so you know you can come to your father, and this is what you say. This is the priority list. Three requests. Piper, John Piper makes the, makes the statement that, that when we're thinking about these three requests, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we should think of them both uh, personally and globally. I would suggest that there's three ways in which we should think about it. Three ways. Personal, local, and global. Personal, local, and Global. So when we make these three requests, have in the back of your mind, are we making these requests on those three fronts? Personal, local, global. Hallowed be your name. What does that mean? We're asking God that His name would be hallowed. What does it mean? Well, it means that His name would be set apart wholly. We are to have a high regard for God's name. In this we would be called to defend the name of God. We're to revere the name of God. We are to pray that this would happen and we're to pray that it would happen on all three levels. Personally, would you pray that God's name would be hallowed in your life and in my life? Locally, Rithfriland, South Down, Northern Ireland, would you pray that the name of God would be hallowed, revered, respected? And globally the same. Charles Spurgeon says this, In the petition, hallowed be your name, we pray that God's name may be esteemed, honored, and treated as holy by all people. And that all blasphemous thoughts and words against his name may cease. Do you pray that the name of God will be loved in your own life? Do you pray that the name of God will be loved in this place? In the Old Testament, God says He has is, he is raised above all things His name and His word. Is that our desire for a friend? Is that our desire for our own lives? That above all things, His name would be honored, revered, respected, loved, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You have heard me taught on the kingdom of God several times, no doubt. If you've been here for any length of time, you'd have heard me teach on the kingdom of God and what that looks like several times. But I do want to spend a little bit of time on this one this morning, your kingdom come. What does that look like? what does that look like? What does it mean when Jesus uses the word kingdom? And I have always broken it down into three very easily remembered sections, and I would love to ask you now what those sections were, but uh, I wouldn't like to embarrass you or myself. So, uh, kingdom of God, what does it mean? One, there's a king. Who is the king? King Jesus. Two, that king has a rule and a reign. And three, that kingdom has a people. Your kingdom come. What we're praying for there is that Jesus would have his kingship on this earth. that his word would be carried out. That is his rule and his reign. And thirdly, that a church would be established in the earth, that a people would be drawn, and that he would have a people for himself. That's what we're praying for when we're praying for the kingdom to come in all its perfection. That Jesus would rule and reign and that he would have a people for himself. It's as simple as that. It's nothing any fancier than that. It's nothing more complicated than that. That's what it is. Your kingdom come. So we pray that the kingdom comes. Are we praying for that? Jesus would establish his people. That they would carry out his commands, his rule and his reign. Jesus says, if you love me, you will carry out my commands. That's his rule and his reign to fully establish the kingdom. Are we praying for that in our own lives? Let me ask you a really, really simple question. Is Jesus your king? Is Jesus your king? And if he is your king, are you being subject to his kingship? If you're being subject to his kingship, you will do what he says. And I will do what he says. If you don't do what he says, he says, he's not your king. Are we praying that his kingdom would come in our lives? In the life of this town, in the life of this place, and then globally, are we praying that his kingship would reign? Your will be done. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. This is simply pleading for God to do what he will in recognition that he knows best and we don't. It is simply pleading for God to do what he will in recognition that he knows best and that we don't. Again, it is a posture of humility. It is saying that you are in control and you're sovereign and we want you to do what you will do. But how do we know what God's will is? How do we know what God's will is? Well, it's very simple. It's very simple. This is the revealed will of God. This is the revealed will of God. So we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We simply pray that we would do what the Bible tells us to do. That's it. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying. We are praying that God's revealed will, what He has told us to do in His Word, would be done on earth. By whom? Us. Again, There is so much overthinking and over spiritualization when it comes to the will of God that it is astounding. I wonder what God's will is for my life. I wonder if it's God's will that, you know, He wants me to be a missionary in Timbuktu. I don't even know where Timbuktu is, by the way. I I have no clue. Where is it? Africa. Right, there you go. Every day's a school day. Right. Timbuktu. I wonder if God wants me to be a missionary in Timbuktu. Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, Jesus says, we're to go into all the world and make disciples. Right. So if you want to go to Timbuktu and do that, guess what you do? Go and do it. It's not against the revealed will of God. That's exactly what he's told us to do. If you feel as if you want to go to Timbuktu to do it, go and do it. If you feel as if you want to go to Hilltown and do it, go and do it. It's there. Go and do it. I wonder if it's God's will that I should pay my tax. Guess what? Guess what? He's given us the answer. In his revealed will, he says... Pay on to Caesar. What is due to Caesar? Imagine. It's God's will for your life that you pay your tax. Do you see how we over-spiritualize these things? And all the while, God, I'm sure, is sitting up there saying, I have told you what my will is. It's not hard to figure out. It's not hard to figure it out. Three levels again. Personally, are you doing what Jesus has told you to do? We pray that the will of God will be done locally. How can we be a part of that? And globally, we pray the will of God will be done. How can we be a part of that? Are we praying that God's will would be done? That his revealed will would be carried out? Hallowed be your name. Respect, reverence, awe for the name of God. Your kingdom come, King Jesus would have his rule and his reign and his people. And your will be done. Are we doing what Jesus has told us to do? We then turn to three requests for ourselves. Those are three petitions that God would do what God would do for himself. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Those are three things that God will do for himself. But then we turn our requests to ourselves. Jesus says this. And when, and when we say to ourselves, what I mean is that they directly pertain to us. These three requests pertain to us. You see, God, as our Father, is not indifferent to the things that we need. He's not. He's not some far-off deity that, that, that doesn't care about you and what you need. He, he's not that. He cares about you individually. He cares about what you need for this life, and He cares about what's best for this life for you. He's not indifferent to that. And so we're given a framework here almost of how we should pray for what is best. Again, going back to those quotes from Calvin and John Owen, this framework of God for prayer is what is best for us. We can't go wrong with this. You pray the Lord's Prayer, and I know some people are like, oh, you can't pray the Lord's Prayer, it's just like saying a prayer off a page. No, if you're stuck for something to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. You can't go wrong. It's impossible. 100 times out of 100 times, you're going to hit the right button. That's it. This is what's best for us. Give us today our daily bread. Simple request that our basic needs would be met. Needs for food and shelter, things we need to survive and live. When Jesus says, Give us today our daily bread, he is not simply saying, Ask for bread. Surely we're beyond the stage now where we, we can see like, where Jesus is using metaphors and stuff. What he's saying is ask for your daily provision, what you need to live and survive. That's what he's saying. Why? Why? Because it's impossible for us to hallow his name See his kingdom come and see his will be done on this earth if we're dead. See? See the link? Give us today our daily bread. Help us to survive so we can hallow your name. We can see your kingdom come and we can see your will be done. Keep us here. Keep us here a wee while longer. Give us what we need to survive so we can do what you've asked us to do. The reality is, folks, we don't need much to survive, do we? We don't need much to survive. I don't know. I I should have done the math or should have done the the medical research to, to know how long we can go without bread or water or sustenance. I don't know how long it is. The, the human body is an amazing thing. and can go on for a long, long time. We don't need much to survive. And the reality is here that God is saying to us, in this framework for prayer, ask for what you need, not for what you want when it comes to material possession. This is why it's so vitally important, folks, what we do with what we have. This is why it's important what we do with what we have. For to much, for those who have received much, much will be required. I I don't know the percentage again, I've quoted it before, but I think we live in the top three or four percent of wealth in the world. I would say we've been given much. And to those who have been given much, much will be required. We are to pray for our daily bread, our daily provision, what we need. Are we using what we have for his name to be hallowed? Are we using what we have for his kingdom to come? Are we using what we have for his will to be done? Or are we using it for our own desires and for our own pleasure and for our own comfort and for everything we want? Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sin. Found you? The, the order interesting here that Jesus uses, he makes sure we're alive first, and then we are to ask for forgiveness. Make sure you're alive, and then ask for forgiveness. Why? Why? Because I, and I think this is why I think if we're continually wondering and, and worried about if we're going to be forgiven or, or if we are fretting over our, the assurance of our sins forgiven, then it's very difficult to see uh, God's kingdom come and His will be done and His name be hallowed and all these things because we're so preoccupied with, are we gonna, oh, have we done enough? Have we done enough? Are, are we going to be forgiven? Are we, are we not going to be forgiven? No. Jesus says, pray for forgiveness, trust in Christ that you are forgiven. And that's it. Let it go. Don't be frightened. Now, there is something very interesting about this. Pray that your sin will be forgiven. Trust that Jesus is big enough to do it and leave it alone. Get on with it. He said it was finished at the cross and it is. But this also made me stop and think this week. Look at the request. Look at what is said. Forgive us our sin as we have forgiven our debtors. Really? Forgive me as I have forgiven my debtors. This made me think, really? Do I want to be forgiven? as much as I have forgiven. Really? That's the measure I want to use? Forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. Really? Is that the measure that I want to use? And it begs the question, have I forgiven completely? This is the age-old problem with humanity, folks. Because there's not one of us in this room, not one of us, that doesn't want or desire radical, unconditional grace poured out on us. Yeah, you agree? Not one of us. Not one of us sitting here today does not want unconditional, radical grace from God poured out on us, our sins forgiven, whiter than snow, radically forgiven. And yet, are we prepared to show the same radical, unconditional grace to others? Forgive us as we have forgiven. Be careful when you're praying that, folks. Be careful when you're praying that because the measure that you use will be measured out to you. Jesus will say that at the end of this passage. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This, this prayer is a very simple prayer, really. It's, it doesn't take much explaining. It is just a simple prayer of protection. Once again, that we will not be entangled in the, in the distractions of the world. Don't lead us there. Protect us from, from, from temptation. It's very simple. It doesn't take much explaining. I wonder, are we praying that in our own personal lives, though? I wonder are we praying, lead us not into temptation, and then walking straight into it. Lead us not into temptation, but we're going on computers and watching things that we shouldn't watch. Lead us not into temptation, but we're saying things that we shouldn't say. Lead us not into temptation, but we're getting into relationships that we shouldn't be in. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then Jesus goes on to say, and I I, I don't know why he doubles back. You, You would think that would be it. But he doubles back on one particular issue. lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses why does he double back on this one particular phrase that he used in this outline of prayer this this not formula, but this, this, this structure, this framework for prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He doubles back on that and says, forgive or you'll not be forgiven. What does he mean? It's very important we understand what he means. He does not mean in regards to salvation. He does not mean in regards to salvation. If you're forgiven, You're forgiven. End of story. We need to look at the big picture of the Bible, and that's what the Bible says. If you are forgiven, you're forgiven. Your salvation is secure. What does he mean then? What he means is if you are holding on to unforgiveness, there will be a block with your relationship to God. We all need daily cleansing from sin, that's the reality. We need daily cleansing from sin to approach the Father. We have been forgiven in our salvation once and for all, secured, no doubt. Does that mean you don't sin? No. You sin every day. I sin every day. We need continual cleansing from that sin. We need to continually repent of that sin, come to the Father and ask His forgiveness. Now, if we're holding on to unforgiveness, what does that do? It blocks. There's a block in your relationship with God. So who's losing out? You are. I am. Many of us are sitting here this morning. Many of us are standing at the front. That's just one, by the way, just in case you couldn't do the math. Many of us are sitting in here this morning wondering why we're not hearing from God. Many, I'm standing up here Saying, why do I not hear from God the way that I should? Why am I not encountering God the way that I should? Maybe you're not. You should be, probably. Could it be? Could it be that there's unforgiveness? Could it be that you're harboring something that you shouldn't be harboring? Could it be that you're still holding out something that you shouldn't be holding out? Unless you forgive, your father will not forgive you. I I don't know sometimes what you think I'd be doing up here. Just do do you think I'd be giving you my opinion? I'm not. I'm simply regurgitating what Jesus says. Taking me a long time to do it right enough, but that's what I'm doing. Jesus says these things. Not me. Your apparent king has given you a command. If you were on the battlefield and your king or your commander give you a command, what would you do? but some of you would run and hide because you're chickens. Reminds me of a story, which I'm going to tell. Brazza, no longer with us. Doing a good work, right? Doing a good work. But I'm going to tell a, a story about Brazza. Don't tell him it's online or maybe we can cut this out. Uh, <laughs> one day we went, I think it was Tim, Tim Graham Staggdo actually, we went uh, paintball. And uh, Brazzo was, Braza, you know the way, there's a game where you all line up, right? You all line up in a row, and you're commanded. Now, this is what the, the commanders tell you to do this. You are to go this direction, right? You are to, go, you are to run towards the enemy, and you are to charge them down, and you are, to, you are to sort them out with the paint guns and stuff, right? That's what you are to do, right? So we're all standing in a row. I can see it as clear as day. We're all standing in a row, and the commander shouts, go. And what way does Braza go? That way. <laughs> Jumps over a hedge and lies down behind a hedge, Right? That's Braza. Lovely fella. Great fella. Right. Your commander, King Jesus, has told you to what? Has told you to what? Forgive. Forgive. Now, I know that this is incredibly difficult and cannot be done in our own strength and can only be done through the Holy Spirit. Let me say all of that. But it's a command. It's not a request. It's a command. And for the sake of your souls, I'm pleading with you. As I have done myself, as I have wrestled with this in the study this week, forgive completely. And have that access to the Father. And have that access to the Father. Folks, these are hard words. And I say it every time. They're only hard because they're easy to understand. If these were all cryptic and all, and we could have, trying to figure it out, different story. They're not. They're really straightforward. We have been given a command by our King. And the only way we will see the kingdom come is that if we follow those commands and do what he's told us to do. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today what we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have trespassed against us and sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we need you. We need you every hour. Father, through your spirit, help us to remember that that we desperately need you. To be those who will carry the kingdom in our own lives, to be those who will carry the kingdom to this place, to be those who will carry the kingdom to the rest of the world, we need you. Help us, we pray. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you that it is good news that we are grafted into the family of God. Loved by our Father. Our salvation assured. Because of King Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.